So welcome to Two Crees in a Pod. We are moving into season three and we are really excited and honored to have elders and knowledge keepers join us this season. One thing that we will be doing differently is either Amber or I will be taking the time to give thanks. And so today I'll start off today's episode. I want to give thanks to my children. I want to give thanks to the ones that I have birthed to the ones who I have been fortunate enough to raise. I want you to know how much of an inspiration you are for me. I want you to know that you are the reason I do what I do. I am so thankful that you have chosen me to be your mom. And I love you, my babies. And I thank you every day for your courage, your love, your kindness that you show to me and to others in your life. Welcome to um, season three. Wow, season three um, of Two Crees in a Pod. Um, I just want to say something before we start. I, I think back to when Terry and I first started this. And who would have known that we're now in season three, that we've we're 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 going into season three like you know like we we thought you know we thought we would try this and see where it goes and then you know and look at us now I mean we're professional we're (laughs) we're professional podcasters (laughs) and I'm so proud I'm I'm so proud of the of the work that we're we've done and and all the people that we've had join us so I just want to say that out loud I'm just I, I can't believe we're going into season three but uh here we are, season three, and, and as, as our uh, viewers know, our listeners know, that we really wanted to take a focus in season three with uh, knowledge keepers or our keteak and uh, people who hold knowledge and wisdom. And so we are joined today by our favorite guest, uh, who's made multiple appearances on Two Crees in a Pod. We can't get enough of her, um, our auntie uh, Leona Makokis. And for some context, uh, Terry and I just spent the last couple hours visiting with Leona and, and sitting with her uh, in ceremony. And so we're very thankful for, for her and for all of her teachings and her wisdom. And so um, we want to start this episode um, by asking or exploring, you know, we had a previous conversation to this recording about that importance of healing through ceremony and about spiritual healing. And can you talk a little bit more about what that means? What does that mean for someone to take on or continue a journey of healing a spirit or a wounded spirit? Where do I start? (laughs) (laughs) Well, I guess from my own experience, of course, I was raised in a residential school. My mother was, my grandmother was. So there's that history, right? And then, and all my family members, my siblings were also in residential school. So that made a shift in our relationship with with my parents. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, it was only as we grew up in as adults when we started also journeying back to ceremony. My mom and dad in the 70s decided that um, they were going to go back to ceremony because mm-hmm. my, my mom raised us in a Catholic Catholic Church, of course, my dad wasn't Catholic, so, and uh, and then at the time, 
I think we also had were had very addictive behaviors, mm. and uh, so my brother started going to the mountains, mentoring with our grandfathers and our uncles in the mountains, and at the at in the seventies was also when, uh, Sad Lake, my uncles brought in some sweat lodges, mm. and there was of course um, it was something new. And it was scary for a lot of people because being raised in a Christian way um, and uh, having learned that that was evil from our teachers. Mm. It, and and it, it really, uh, the change, I think, really disrupted a lot of people. Mm. And, you know, but they continued because, and even I, when I started going through the sweat, I, I, carried a lot of guilt mm-hmm. going in and again hearing the voices of the nuns telling me that I always remember my first sweat I went to my mm-hmm. late uncle Eugene's and I my mom had invited me because I was going through some problems and she said come to the sweat and of course being her being my mom I very seldom disobeyed her so I said okay mm-hmm. mom I'll be there but fearing but also being pulled right and so and so I went and uh, I sat beside my mom mm-hmm. and uh, the, this experience of residential school left me in a very fearful place. I was feared of the dark. I was, mm-hmm. I was fearful of, uh, of being alone. I had so I carried so many fears that I think sometimes almost paralyzed me. So I walk, I go into, I crawl into the sweat, sat beside my mom and then they started bringing the rocks and they're red hot. And my uncle was hosting it by the door. And so they, they, they covered, after a while, they covered it. And it's all dark. And all, all I could see was these red rocks. And I panicked. And I was brought right back to those voices. And the voices saying, you never know who is going to tempt you. And that um, they'll, you'll never know what guys they're going to come, come to tempt you away from from your religion and they were so loud I could just feel it mm-hmm. and looking at those rocks and and I think oh my god maybe the devil's gonna appear from there with with a fork and you know the hoofs and the horns and you know I, all my mind was already seeing that picture I used to see at blue quills mm-hmm. you know of the, of the of the of the hell where mm-hmm. our people were you know being thrown in so I hung on to my mom and I just thought, oh, she's my mom. She's okay. And then that thought came again, and I let her go. And and I was all by myself. And I, you know, I thought, oh shoot, what am I going to do here? And that just that feeling, that intense fear. So I just hung on to her anyway and prayed, God, I hope she's not the devil, <laughs> my mother. Oh my God, <laughs> terrible thought. But I left there, and I drove home, and that those thoughts those teachings about about our our ancestors being pagans and savages and devil worshipers that voice just get pounding mm. but what took place is that again my mother invited me to another one so i went and i kept going not you know consistently but when she invited me, i would go and at one point in time, I sat there and I began to really take in, because now I, I can understand the language, 
I began to really listen to the voices and the prayers. Mm -hmm. And I thought, oh my God, everybody's praying for everybody else. Everybody's praying for Mother Earth. Everybody's praying, you know, about something good happening. Mm -hmm. and, and that thought stuck by me. And then the, uh, the last time I went in, or not the last time, but the, that last thought I had, I remember very clearly going home, was I don't believe all our ancestors for thousands of years all went to hell because they weren't Christianized. Hmm. I just don't believe it. I just, listening to those prayers, you know, listening to everything, I thought, this is all good here. Hmm. Mm -hmm. And so, and you know, life takes its, uh, I guess, it, it provides us teachings. So at one point in time, um, well, my education, of course, was all, at, the, at that point, was all Western education, a degree in administration, a degree in, in education. Um, but that was Western. But I began to journey back to ceremony. And the, pivot, the pivotal moment when I knew I was going to go back and was with clarity was when my life changed mm -hmm. and you know um i was now a single mom and panicked of course change brings about fear and panic and mm -hmm. you know what's going to happen to me can i do this questioning all of that and going through that process but at the same time you know i was really going back to ceremony i uh, the clarity came to me and i thought Oh, you know, this is an opportunity for me now. What do I want in this life? What can I do about myself and my children? What's clear, you know? And I knew I had to go back to my extended family, my family and extended family, because I'd been isolated from them. I knew that, you know, there's teachings and everything. I remember um, uh, sort of drawn back to the Catholic Church and I would go to church and I would pray and then I realized oh I can't go to confession not that I sinned no <laughs> <laughs> I can't go to communion because now you know I'm a divorced woman mm. and <laughs> all of these things I can't do and and I thought shoot and, and the last thing that I I remember coming to a point and saying, I have choices here. Hmm. I can go back to, I can go back to who I am as a Nehiosko and those teachings I missed out all those years. And I could go learn from the elders. I can learn from the knowledge keepers. I can learn from experience. I can go ceremonies and I can also uh, really truly focus on the language. These, these were opportunities I saw. And so that's what I did. And, and uh, I remember the last thing I gave up in the Catholic Church was uh, Christmas, uh, Christmas uh, Mass. Hmm. Oh, that used to be so fun. You know, you dressed up so nice and you sang and you were happy and, you know, all of those things. That was the last thing I gave up. <laughs> uh, because I thought, shoot, I'm excommunicated, so why am I here? <laughs> you know, I started questioning that. I'm not against the Catholic religion. I mm -hmm. learned from it. Mm -hmm. But I started questioning all those beliefs about 
why was it a sin to eat meat on Friday? Hmm. You know, things like that. And so I, I learned. And so I, from that point on, I, when I got clarity of where I wanted to be, you know, who I wanted to be, my mm -hmm. responsibilities, and the need for growth. Mm -hmm. So, and, and so I went to ceremony. I continued ceremony. I continued going to fast. I went to a Sundance and began to really learn, you know, learning and learning the language and also learning the, um, the um, creation stories, all of that that matters. Learning the songs, mm -hmm. I began to sing. Oh my gosh, I remember that was so difficult. I'd go to a I'd go to a sweat lodge, and this was quite regularly. And I'd be coming home, and I would try and sing that song that I sang in the, in the lodge, and now I couldn't sing it. Mm. And that was so frustrating. And then I thought, you know, again driving home, I thought, shoot. If I can sing all those Latin hymns and not understand a word, why can't I do this? And just releasing that, you know, just letting that go mm. and saying, I can be who I am. I can be that Nihilsko. I can learn those songs. And I did. Mm -hmm. And I was able to, I don't know all songs, but I do know a few of them. And, and that made such a difference for me. So, you know, as I journeyed along, it was like new old, new learnings along the way. And I know that I got my healing through there. Hmm. I know. I seen psychologists. I was in group therapy. I was, you know, for lots of years. And, and yeah, I guess they, uh, mentally they, they made sense, you know. And, uh, but the true healing for me was in ceremony. Mm -hmm. and and it wasn't just a physical i i think the source of the physical mental pain came from that soul wound mm -hmm. you know mm -hmm. my soul my spirit was so wounded mm -hmm. i mean i i looked like i was okay i was a good housekeeper <laughs> mm -hmm. i worked <laughs> you know i tried to raise my children in a good way it appeared like I was, but deep down I was very wounded. Hmm. And so when that when that came about, when I began to realize that allowing and being in ceremony, and just accepting what I what I was praying for, but it it, it appeared things changed for me, almost like a natural process. But I do know the grandmother's guided all that change. I do know, and I do know I was gifted with certain things that, and gifted with people, you know, that, uh, that were my teachers, um, and that, you know, just that gift in carrying forth, and, and to be able to say, and to be able to live this life, you know, I had, uh, I think I had sometimes a pretty tough life, to be able to let that go, you learn from that from that life, and um, and but let it go. You don't forget it. You don't ever forget it. Mm -hmm. But it's not it's not as if it triggers when things happen. It triggers anger or rage or whatever. Mm -hmm. You know when you're triggered by by uh, trauma. Mm -hmm. I see it now as okay. This this feeling is coming from here. But really working on. Uh, healthy communication mm -hmm. um, 
building solid relationships, learning from for from everybody that that I, I I meet, you know, and it doesn't have to be old people. It's young people that as well that teach us, and experiences. What did I learn from this experience? And sometimes when somebody is difficult that comes into your life, I always question, what is this person teaching about me? Mm. You know how you react to a situation. And I think that's really guided by spirit. Hmm. You know, when you get to be that place that it's not just, you know, a mental issue. It's just like, oh my God, you know, inviting that, inviting those energies as well. And I think I continue to, to be taught. And I think my next, um, there's been experiences in my life. Uh, and I think uh, some of them have been very, very, um, difficult but I think trusting and knowing the grandmothers are guiding guiding this process has always given me that positive energy the you know the ability to think clearly and not get stuck uh, I think Jody's accident my daughter Jody's accident was really you know uh, really shook shook me up in terms of you know Coming out of there, is she going to be a paraplegic? Is she going to be a quadriplegic? I didn't know because it was so, so bad. Mm. And having two grandsons and I'm not young, thinking, oh my God, what's going to happen to them? What's going to happen to me trying to raise them because they were little at that time? And then I thought, no, I'm not going to think that way. I just give it to grandmothers, give it, guide me through this, you know, guide us through all of that. And it did, and mm -hmm. and it, it you know um, we are okay, um, and the, of course the other one was um, my first grandson Spencer, who, had, you know when he was four, was assessed as uh, on the autism spectrum, mm -hmm. and you know as a baby he was growing, you know eating, you know communicating all of those things he was walking talking you know gabbing and all of a sudden at four at three he quit two two and a half he quit talking mm -hmm. he just started grunting and we thought maybe he was deaf because he didn't hear us or didn't pay attention to us he was in his own world and so when he got assessed when he was three and a half four years old he was autistic he's on the spectrum and again that was panic what do we know about autism mm. who do we know who has autism how do we work with him? Because at that time, the doctors were telling us uh, that um, we may have to institutionalize him, that he may be in pampers for the rest of his adult life. He may never be able to talk. Again, ceremony, right? Brought him into ceremony. And as soon as we went into, it was a sweat lodge, and the Alja was there. As soon as we went in there, he's now four. He's sitting there. He takes two sticks. And the rocks are being brought in and he's bringing he's <laughs> you know setting them up right and he's taking the smudge and smudging the rocks mm -hmm. and nobody taught him that mm -hmm. he just did and then he sat down beside the elder and what the elder said was you do not feel sorry for him that's the worst thing you can do he said he's chosen you as parents and you as cookum your job cookum is to figure out what his gift is and, and to direct him on the purpose of his life. He said he came here as an autistic person 
to experience this world from the autistic, autistic you know, human being. And he's here to teach you. He said, you, he's come here to teach you as well. And you will learn. And true enough, you know, um, initially when he was born, I had quit my job to, so I could stay home and teach him Cree. And that's all I did was speak to him for the first two, three years in Cree. Mm -hmm. When he was gabbing back and forth. And then after the third year and fourth year, when he were told he's autistic, and I thought, oh my goodness, I guess we're going to have to teach him English because he's going to have to be going to school sometime. And I switched. I quit teaching him Cree. Now he's 10. We're back to Cree. <laughs> you know, and he's really picking it up. Every night, he'll remind me and he'll say, <laughs> and he says all of these blessings for everybody and uh, he just loves it just loves saying <laughs> coronavirus he just loves that phrase and and also there's all sorts of like you know all of those words he's he's really getting them and every once in a while, he says, no more Cree, just English. <laughs> but uh, again, he's been our teacher. You know, the teaching that he brings us is that we better be a calm family, you know. And we also live in his world, so we travel with him. And knowing that sometimes voices, sometimes colors, sometimes, you know, motions will aggravate him. Mm -hmm. So all his two vehicles... I'll bring him home, or or Jody and Brent will be will bring him home, but trying to expose him to that world, and also knowing that there's boundaries that we have to understand, so that he's been a real gift as well, mm -hmm. uh, and continues to teach us how do we deal with a with a child ten years old with a meltdown, mm. you know, learning that is difficult, and doing it is difficult, and doing it in a very quiet, kind, mm -hmm. calm way. Mm -hmm. So we ourselves have to be healed from all of that so that it doesn't trigger us and get into, into that state of anger or frustration or, right. you know, that comes with that. Right. And so still, I think my journey has been guided by ceremony. Um, and I always think, when I reflect back now, and the job that I was, sometimes there was politics that got involved. Mm. And there was, and each time there was a, a gathering of that, somehow, and I reflect back, I wasn't there. Mm -hmm. Something stopped me from going there. And I wasn't there. So those broken relationships with those uh, groups of people, they, you know, they had to rebuild those relationships. Mm -hmm. Whereas I've never had to rebuild because I just not was there. Yep. And that happened mm -hmm. over and over again. And I reflect back now mm -hmm. and I know I know that, you know, this journey going through um, working at Blue Quills from nineteen seventy five, <laughs> I was intended to be there. Mm -hmm. And I saw the growth and been a part of that growth. And I also importance of people, you know, speaking out their visions clearly what they envision and what their vision for themselves or for the organization. I always heard my parents and my uncle's uh, voices saying, someday, although they talked about how 
we would become all these nurses and doctors and lawyers and you know um, mechanics carpenters anything flew through blue quills but I, I remember the one that stuck by me is our our children are going to get the Western education but they're going to come back and live their lives their Inyo Matsuin which means you know the ceremonies everything that was lost the ceremonies our our language you know our parenting our our community our wakuhtu and all of those things they're going to come back and go they're going to embrace that and they're going to be the teachers for the next mm -hmm. generation and i see that happening mm -hmm. and that voice that those voices in the 60s and 70s mm -hmm. i carry that with me all the time and I think it's always important to continue to talk about that and also you know seeing blue quills where it, you know it's just norm now to go and you smudge yourself mm -hmm. it's norm to hear the drums it's norm to hear the songs it's norms norm to to be in ceremony mm -hmm. um, and doing that and healing through that process, I think, is so key. Mm -hmm. And I think um, education can be very healing depending on the foundation that we, we create and how we teach. Mm -hmm. And that experience of, of working together, creating relationships. Relationships is key in whatever we do. Mm -hmm. <sighs> I just want to... <clears throat> I want to say thank you. I, I, I'm... I'm feeling uh, really calm right now uh, as Amber mentioned uh, we just had a pipe ceremony with Leona before this and we're able to just sit and visit with her and because of COVID we haven't been able to to be close together and you know to share with one another that we we miss each other and that we love each other and and, and taking care of one another um, I just I feel just really grateful right now and, and thankful and you know you talked about you know I appreciate the stories that you shared around ceremony and, and that that healing piece to uh, ceremony and I you know in in the pipe ceremony today talked about how you know my first um, Sundance when Clarice was also in her accident and and feeling um, incredible um, healing that happened in that space and not just for myself but for my family and for mm -hmm. her um, and how that created a big shift in my life and oftentimes you know we, you talked about how you know you went through a divorce and that reconnected you to your culture and to ceremony you know and, and so encouraging those you know our, our indigenous folks out there that you know when we when we hit these really hard times in these and we're struggling whether that's even through a pandemic or through different losses is mm -hmm. that there is spaces and sacred spaces that we can go to to feel the love that I felt today um, with each of you and it's just it's so beautiful and I'm just so thankful um, to be here right now and uh, I appreciate everything that you are sharing with us mm -hmm. I'll I'll say one thing, um, and uh, that one thing is, Leona said it multiple times just now, but I hear it all the time. Like when we hear that, 
that phrase of going back. And we hear that all the time. Go back, go back to ceremony, go back or going back. And it's interesting because when you said it just now, I'm like, it, I've heard it so many times, but for whatever reason, just now it, it hit different, right? Because it's this, because I think about going back as this process of revisiting or reclaiming or researching or backwards thinking or backwards learning where we have to be going back to roots, right? And so, and, and then I think that also that phrase of going back to ceremony reminds us that it was always there. Mm-hmm. It's not this thing mm-hmm. that we just discover, right? It's not like this, like, oh, I've discovered ceremony, right? It's, it's not a discovery. It's a, it's remind that phrase of going back to ceremony is about, it was always there. It's been there since time immemorial. And that there are people who have, who have done this for us. Mm-hmm. And I remember I was sitting in a, no, I was sitting at, I, I, I was reading a book. <laughs> and when I was reading this book, I was sitting with someone who has, you know, gone to many ceremonies, very knowledgeable. And when I was reading this book, I started asking questions to this person about why there's daytime and nighttime dancers at Sundance. In some ceremonies, they have daytime and nighttime. And without getting into detail, when that person said, we honor those that dance at, those that dance at night honor the ones who kept our ceremonies underground. And that's to honor those ones because there was many who had to dance in the dark and in silence in fear of getting caught. And so I think about that all the time now. I think about the sacrifice and how so many of our people danced and sang in silence or they did it quietly and that we are still honoring those people today. And we do that to for recognition of all the, again, the sacrifice that our people had to go through to, to keep it for us. Mm-hmm. You know, and I think that that's a really beautiful thing. And like I said, right when you said going back, I was like, hey, that's just a good reminder that it's, it's, not, it's not a discovery of sorts. It's, it's, it's always been there. We just need to go back, yep. which I think is really beautiful. So you just reminded me of that. And I think one thing, I read a paper by a student recently, and it was interesting because we've developed this new Indigenous uh, foundation program at the university, and uh, it's going into its second year, and we base it in ceremony and culture the first year to provide that support and that mentorship for Indigenous students. And I remember a paper that I, I read recently, and it was in regards to a student who talked about wanting to be in this program because they wanted to reconnect with their culture and ceremony mm-hmm. and you know i i i appreciate and i love that because we are creating that space in a western institution for yeah. indigenous students but also to our listeners that our communities are so rich in this yep. as well we have elders and people within knowledge keepers within our communities who have these lodges and these teachings and the willingness to want to share and sit with our people mm-hmm. that we don't need to search out in Western institutions. You know, we, we want to create those spaces, definitely. Um, but look first within your communities mm-hmm. and with your elders and with your people um, and, you know, connect in that way as well because there's so much... Um, there's so much that you can gain from our own mm-hmm. communities that we forget 
Mm -hmm. I think we've we've forgotten the the richness that we have and we hold mm -hmm. in those spaces. Yeah, I believe that our you know when people say um, uh, ask what ceremony is is it a religion is it I always say no it's a way of life mm -hmm. and it's it's ongoing all the time there's always something that happens mm -hmm. uh, whether it be a birth. Mm -hmm. Or, you know, we have all those ceremonies around the, the babies mm -hmm. and we continue to do that. And it also brings community together. And by being involved in ceremonies and having your children there, they're also observing mm -hmm. and experiencing. And for us, Kiskino, you know, to teach, Kiskino means to model whatever it is you want to teach. And can you imagine just modeling being in ceremony and what that does to to our, our children. Yep. And so I think that's, I, I think it's a way of life, mm -hmm. you know, that it's not just uh, certain days that you go to. I remember my dad when he was, when we were young, we used to bug him to go to church every Sunday. And he said, you know, I pray every day. I can pray while I look for the horses. I can pray while, I, while I'm in the garden. I can pray while I'm smoking out here. I pray any place. You don't have to be in a special place to pray. Mm. You connect to that creator wherever you are. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, those teachings stay with me. Mm -hmm. So it's been wonderful. Yeah. And I think, you know, I think about... Me and Terry have talked about this many times. We've talked about it in, in lots of different conversations. The other thing I heard Leona say was, I know. And it's interesting because we've talked about how you know we have all these western practices that are evidence-based and they they're best practices and you know because there's all this empirical data or, or these numbers to prove that this works it then becomes romanticized or put on the pedestal of ways of knowing doing and being or of, of practicing but you, when you were talking about ceremony, you said repeatedly, I know that this is what it was for me. I know. And that there's something so powerful about that to just know it. And that you don't have to prove that to anybody else. Mm -hmm. you, don't have to, we, you don't have to justify that to anybody else. You don't have to prove that to anybody else. You know. And I think that that is that's so important for our people to hear and for other people to hear that when you're working for social workers who are out there or educators or, or nurses or whoever that are out there working for indigenous people, that it's so important that when they say, I know this works for me to trust them mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and to not go to that place of asking them to justify it to you. I know, I know that this has worked, mm -hmm. right? We've talked about how we felt when we left places, right? When we left the lodge. And it's like, I know I felt better. I know I felt lighter or whatever. And so just thank you for saying that. Thank you for validating that. And that I hope people hear that. That when Leona said, I know, that that's all we need to do. That's it. You don't need to do anything else, you know? So I really appreciate that. So as we wrap up, uh, is there any closing comments that you have for us, Leona? I think, again, um, ceremony is who we are. Ceremony is our culture, ceremony. 
ceremony involves our language, our relationships, and how we relate to each other, uh, and also it it it's our gifts show up, mm. are magnified in ceremony, mm. our ability to communicate in a good way, you know, and just even you know the living the natural law of teachings of being you know loving and being honest and we share everything and then we stay determined we have to continue to be determined in who we are mm -hmm. in the work that we do and uh, and what we've been taught what our ancestors have left for us to carry forward mm. and uh, also inviting inviting children into those places so they mm. have the opportunity mm -hmm. to learn and to grow and to be really grounded in who they are. Mm -hmm. Yep. Hi, hi. Hi, hi. Thank you so much for, for being with us today and, and for sharing your gifts uh, with us and, and with our listeners as well. We appreciate you. Hi, hi. hi. Thank you. Oh, Two Crees in a pod. Two Crees in a pod. Two Crees in a pod. Hey. Natani means. Yeah. They pushed us to this point Frustrations of a common man Manifest the destiny Preach and pledge the promised land I'm stuck between taking my journey Live with no honor Like what's the use of my kids Can't taste clean water A child born into a world Revolution's not a choice Fighting to be heard So we make them hear our voice Remember ancestors Anguish lightning in our veins Hear it in a language When they are kissing for the rain I am product of people That persevere persecution Paint me so creator sees me If I go out shooting Experience our pain When our women disappear daily Anxious to be angry, pacifists might hate me Trolls on the internet constantly trying to bait me We move in silence, cover of the night Learning from the wolves in the forest Tracking enemies in the woods Reincarnations of warriors riding for salvation Or are we false prophets when we submit to temptations? Colonization is a hell of a drug We all seem to go crazy when we fall in love I said colonization is a hell of a drug We all seem to go crazy when we fall in love I said Two Crees in a Pod.